Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Sam Belansky of the band Pony and of Too Much TV Podcast. We talked about That Dog's 1997 album, Retreat from the Sun, and the mythology of Hollywood and making it. Pony released their album, TV Baby, April 9th, 2021 on Take This to Heart Records. It's really awesome. Check it out. Okay, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Check out our new weekly Patreon exclusive with my co-host Sarah Blumenthal. We're doing short exclusive episodes every week where we dive into albums we love when we're younger. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That's wherever you check out podcasts. Please tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Okay, let's chat with my friend, Sam Belansky. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Oh, my goodness. Hello. Hi. It's going so well. It's a beautiful day today, and I'm so happy to be here. How's it going for you? Uh, it's going pretty well. I was kind of right when I said, hey, Sam, how's it going? I kind of got in my head because I was thinking about the intro that you all do on your podcast, Too Much TV. And yes. I was like, wow, this is a very underwhelming way to start my podcast comparatively to yours. No, it's so nice. It's like casual, comfortable. I feel like sometimes we do scare our guests. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are here today and we're talking about That Dog's 1997 album, Retreat from the Sun. And yeah. that was their third record that came out on DGC. And it was produced by Brad Wood, who has come up a lot of times on this podcast, actually. But Oh, really? Yeah, um, actually with Liz Fair um, and other records that I can't remember, but I know, oh, Touche Amore was another time. Uh, wow. Brad Wood has come up more than three times on this podcast as a producer. What? Yeah. Um, Brad, look at him. Yeah, Brad works. Making waves. Yeah, and so when was the first time you heard this record or just this band in general? Um, I think that this, I saw the music video to Never Say Never, and I think it just like uh, was like a recommended video to me on YouTube. I used to like watch Veruca Salt and like Breeders videos like only on YouTube, and that video came up and I was like, what the fuck is this? Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Uh, we're an NPR affiliate. I said, what on earth <laughs> is this? This is the greatest thing I've ever seen and heard. And then I listened to the record after. That was probably like, I want to say in like 2014 maybe. So not th not too long ago. Yeah. But I guess that is a, a while ago. Yeah. Uh, do you, f so I guess in that regard, it wasn't like a formative album, at least I guess like as a younger, young, young person, like, like I imagine, um, 
maybe Veruca Salt or the breeders go a little further back mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, like it definitely wasn't uh, a record that like I grew up listening to. But when I heard it, I was like, what? This is how have I never heard this before? Yeah, I kind of feel that way. It's like I know the name and I know that a few people have like I, I know that like swearing kind of name check them as like a band yeah. um, as an influence. And one of my friends and bandmates, uh, they mentioned that dog, but mainly, uh, you know, kind of jumping way ahead and more into the present. Uh, Petra Hayden has like some acapella records. Um mm. And that's kind of more of the connection. And I think that they were referenced on uh, Parks and Rec through oh. Ben's character. I think Ben had a That Dog shirt on if I'm Wow, not... cute. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like the band is like so underrated. And I didn't really even know that until I was like doing a little bit of research for the podcast. Because like I am not really like... Uh, I don't really like if I like like a record, I'll just kind of like listen to it forever and ever and ever and just put it on repeat. But I'm not like really wondering like, oh, who who produced this? Like who's in this band or like I don't really uh, it's not like a need for me to know those things. So I mostly didn't know anything until recently. I just knew that I loved the whole record. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think like I feel like I do that more when it's like something I grew up with because it's so it's almost like it's just a part of you in a way. Like when I think about like early pop punk records, like I'm I'm probably also better off not knowing a whole lot about the background of those type of things. But <laughs> like I don't um like I don't know it because it just feels like such a part of me and then when someone asks me something about it, it's just like someone asking you about like your arm like why is your arm like that or something and you're like I don't know it's just always been that way um, yeah so so I feel like when I discover things like that dog since I haven't listened to them I am more apt to dig in because like and kind of like look up things on Wikipedia um, because it's like something newer so that's just like a thing I didn't do as a kid but you didn't really have the opportunity to like go on Wikipedia when I was like five. Yeah, that's so, true. But maybe you did, you know. I'm not sure when Wikipedia even began. Me, but. I, I used to do, like, a lot of uh, peeing when I was younger, like, because what else was there really to do on the internet? You know, like, there wasn't that much. It was, like, either E-Bombs World or, like, MSN or, like, Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, I sometimes, like, for, like, sometimes, like, if I... I'm able to kind of spout facts about things. People are like, how do you know that? And it's like, did you not just lay in bed and read Wikipedia for like <laughs> hours and hours as I did? <laughs> you know, I, I feel I, at some point I convinced myself that that was like a normal thing to do. You should go on Jeopardy. Uh, I mean, I so well, trivia does this thing because I'll count that as like trivia uh, where yeah. it's like, if somehow someone asked me about a certain fact, I'm okay with telling that. But they always couch it in, uh, well, it is a game. Like in some game where they kind of twist it on you. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, you're not really just asking me the capital of Wyoming, which I actually don't know. Um, they're, they're like, you know, they'll, they'll 
fancy it up some way. And then, you know, it's like with uh, Trivial Pursuit, like they make you do those little blocks and th they have these little things that make it so that I think the reasoning is that they don't want people that just kind of know facts to win. They want like a more strategy to go into it. Right, right, right. So it's not just a game for smart people. It has to be like a game for smart and sneaky people. Yeah, and I'm not sneaky. I, I and I wouldn't. I would really. I'm pushing back against the notion that you called. Yeah, I guess you didn't necessarily call me smart for knowing that. It's not really a smart thing. I feel like, and I don't know what it is. That type of way that's just constantly like throwing facts on people. Um, and I really try and like push against that feeling. And I'm not talking about that dog, so I don't know where I've gone in the conversation already. <laughs> Okay, so so did you know, like, I guess, like, things like that this band is from L.A. even? Like, did you know? How much history did yes. you know about them? So I knew, I knew, like, Anna and the girls started the band, like, when they were pretty young, like, high school style. And uh, that, I, that Anna comes from, like, well, I guess all of them really come from like musical or like performing um, backgrounds. Like Anna's dad was like some record executive guy, and and uh, the girls, their dad is like a classical musician or jazz musician or something like that. Yeah. So I know like that kind of stuff, but yeah, I actually I. Had before we talked, I looked up the video Never Say Never, and yeah. then the video that came on after it was a mini documentary about their most recent record, old EP, LP. Yeah, 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 uh, with uh, Maya Rudolph. Yeah, and I know it's on the description it says featuring Maya Rudolph, but it still surprised me when they were doing like backing vocals and she's yeah. just there with them. And, and I'm I like, know. What? I know it's we watched that too and I was like this is tripping me out like this is like how is Maya Rudolph like so cool and then now is like just cooler to me because she's like pals with this band I love yeah wasn't didn't she play in the rentals for like a moment yeah I think she did yeah it's why well, and also like uh, her mother is Minnie Ripperton, I believe is yes. how you say her name. And that's an insane fact, too. Yeah. That probably and is more like a known fact that people know about her. Her dad, Maya Rudolph's dad, is like a, a famous music supervisor. Mm. Yeah, there's so much like quintessential kind of L.A. in totally. that dog. Like even, I guess, if we're kind of throwing a line out to Maya Rudolph since they included her in that um but even if you just go with like the hayden triplets yeah um, so that's petra rachel and tanya who's not like in the band but is featured on this record yeah on cello and tanya is married to jack black stop yeah did you know that okay i did think i do think i knew that because jack black's also in one of their videos one okay. of that dog's videos mm-hmm Wow, they're just like a weird little entertainment family of entertainers. Yeah, and I guess since we're, since we're going in this direction on it, well, I'll, I'll keep going out because it, it is really int really interesting. So um, at some point, like even like Rachel played in the rentals. Yep. And uh, Petra 
as I kind of mentioned, she does these like acapella records now that are mm-hmm. like she'll sing like theme songs. What? Yeah. Uh, like they're like scores. Like she'll kind of like hum it out and do all the instruments on it. Whoa. And she has more than one record that way. So there, one of them is called Petra Goes to the Movies. Oh my God. That's cute. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like where I think the first time I, because I was like, like one of my friends was playing the record and like the acapella one. And I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> and uh, then kind of explain, oh, it's the person from, you know, uh, that dog. And I'm like, what's that dog? And then, so, okay, one of the tracks, so the Psycho main title is one of the songs she sings. Um, a Fistful of Dollars theme and Goldfinger theme. What? Yeah, and the Superman theme. So, yeah, I, I would recommend looking into it. I'm going to listen to that right after yeah. this. It's fun. I mean, it's like I I have like a threshold, I guess, with kind of any acapella music. Yeah, but for it's sure. you know it's kind of like songs you identify. You know, it's not like kind of uplifting like pseudo kind of Christian acapella. Right. Uh, yeah. That yeah. like it usually is. So, um, so with with Anna, I think like when I was mentioning the documentary, like that's when I realized like oh her dad is a producer. Yeah. And then also I looked up her dad and realized her dad's fa- her her grandfather, um, he worked for Liberty Records mm. and he he had a hand in signing the chipmunks. Aww. Yeah. Cute. So, so definitely a <laughs> a uh showbiz family. Yeah. With totally. the Warren Kurz, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So and then uh, I guess going back to the Haydens, like Charlie Hayden was a jazz bassist. And uh, then there's the Hayden triplets, as we mentioned, but also uh, they have a brother that's Josh Hayden, and he was in this band called Spain that kind of had a moment. And I say all that because with how, like, steeped in L.A. this band is, yeah, I'm also surprised that they're so underrated. Yeah, it's really, I, like truly thought that this was like such a huge band just because I love them so much and then when I like kind of realized that like this was like the last record they made for like so long I was like what like what happened like like why did you stop and then I like learned that this was actually supposed to be Anna's solo record but then the record label was like well let's just make it a that dog record but I think she had like qualms with the industry, which I can relate to. Yeah. And I think that's why she kind of stopped making music in that way for a long time and was like writing songs for TV and movies, which is also so sick. Yeah. Yeah. There's a like people because I guess it was like I guess you can sort of connect this to and I'll say punk in the most like loose way. Like a lot of people that came out of kind of like indie rock or punk that got signed to this level like even um you know any kind of band of that era that did a lot of those people ended up moving into doing music for tv and movies so that's like really interesting Mm -hmm. to me yeah i didn't know this until like 
way later, but she wrote um, like my favorite song from Josie and the Pussycats. And I was like, it makes so much sense that I'd be like obsessed with her at her work. No, not even knowing that she wrote this song that is she's like the real life Josie, you know, like, yeah, she's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's I guess I'm it's like I'm just going back to it because I can't believe it. Like, it's just like with all of those kind of L.A. connections, like, let's say there is some aspect of being from L.A. that kind of got their foot in the door a little er like easier. Yeah. Um, if that's true, um, I guess the word is nepotism. But yes. uh, so assuming <laughs> that that is the case and I would assume that their families are probably like decently well off, not really probably rich by. But. Yeah, Some like, standards, but maybe like rich enough that all these kids are like classically trained. Yeah, there's an affluence and privilege that definitely can be afforded that that allows you to be a classically trained violinist. Um, yeah, <laughs> you don't tend to see like poor kids a lot doing that. Um, so I guess like it, it just does really once again baffle me that they aren't like a band that we just all know. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I like didn't really I didn't really realize that they weren't that popular until like a couple of days ago and I was like, this doesn't really make sense to me, especially considering like well, I think the music is so good. Uh-huh. And but also considering all of the industry connections. Yeah. It makes me really not trust that one could make it in Hollywood. Yeah. It kind of scares me. Cause but I, I wonder if it's like Anna like didn't didn't want to keep doing it, you know? Like there must have been some reason like because she stopped putting out, well, she put out her own music, but like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Maybe she just didn't want to be a star or something. But don't we all want to be stars? That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I guess it's it, we're truly looking at something that it's like we can't understand. We'll it never at face know. value. <laughs> like yeah. it's like it's like I I know at the point that I am in my life, it's like I'm not going to be. There was a point for a long period of time where it was like I'm not really planning on acting, but I could see myself being a high schooler in like a teen drama. Like yeah. I'm like I truly believe that if something happened and I was discovered. Yeah. That I could successfully do it. Yeah. But but it wasn't like I was pursuing acting. Right, so, right. You just were like, I know when the time comes, <laughs> this is, I'm going to excel at this. <laughs> yes, that is it. Um, it's like, and when they, yeah, when they come for me, I will <laughs> just be ready. Like, I've been waiting and then. I have my Jansport, yeah. my brand new Jansport in the closet. I'll dust it off. Yeah, like, and scene. I guess yeah. that's when it's over. But um, whatever kind of line it was, like, I mean, I was like an extra in TV and a movie, but I had no, I wasn't trying to do that. So what we're looking at here is people that just say, I don't want to do this. Like, all of these doors are basically open, but I want to be somebody that's behind the scenes. Yeah, like... I love writing music so much, but I don't want to have to deal with how how much it hurts my feelings to be in a band. So mm. I'll write m- music for the movies and TV. Yeah. Which honestly, 
it's kind of like the smartest thing you can do because you'll make actual money and your feelings won't get hurt. Yeah, I think it really does kind of ruin liking doing something when it sort of becomes like your job, which yeah. I assume they were at a position they were at because DGC is the same label that put out like Nirvana. So yeah. that's the David Geffen company. So, I mean, it is this is a major label release. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and I assume their kind of trajectory before then was probably getting like opening spots on, let's say, like, I don't know for sure, but, you know, things like R.E.M. or whatever kind of was the equivalent that one would be the opening band for. Yeah. Uh, but I don't feel like there's, I mean, most bands don't really kind of progress past that point. Like, you don't just become R.E.M. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So then then there's Veruca Salts and there's That Dog and, you know. Yeah. Every, you know, we could name them forever. Uh, so... Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm not really sure like where I'm going with. It. I I just think that it like. No matter what, if I were married to uh, Jack Black, which I know Tanya's not like in this band, I would see that as my like ticket to also be in the spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that doesn't say a lot about me in positive <laughs> ways, but I can't like. It's like even if I got into a point in my life where I'm like, I know I'm not gonna be you know, like a teen drama person, like I can't pass for a high schooler anymore. Right. So, um, but it's like if they, if someone gave me the mic to succeed in that way, I'd be like, it's on. Yeah, like I'm doing yeah. this. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm freaking doing this. Yeah. Um, they do have like a quality that when you look at them, especially in the Never Say Never video, that I feel like they could all be characters on like, strangers strangers with candy i don't i'm unfamiliar with that reference um so they to me they kind of look like they could all be on like comedy central comedies oh yeah in a like way. sitcoms almost yeah I mean, sitcoms like, you know because they're all so beautiful you mean they're all yeah they're all very good looking and they but and also in a way that it's like like they would be the com like the comedy best friend you know it's like yeah, there's a lead yeah. and then there's also you know it's kind of like they're always their more schlubby best friend uh, but then that person is also like an attractive person you know right like hollywood yeah. would be like well this is your least less attractive friend but it's like less as a relevant you know as a <laughs> just yeah but it's like these people are still like you know that they, they look hollywood is what i'm saying yeah they really have a polished look to them like they look mm -hmm. Like a band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, did you find it surprising while watching the Never Say Never video? Because I, I, it's like I knew that Petra plays violin. Yeah. But in the video and live situations, it's like, oh, that's what a violinist does live. Yeah. Would, would you... <laughs> Well, what, what I mean, mean by that is like you just if you're not playing the violin in that moment, which as a violinist, you don't you yeah. don't play a violin the whole time. So yeah. you just stand there. Yeah, no, totally. It's like kind of like the Dixie Chicks or yeah. the Chicks, I guess. I mean, they're they're now. they're really good at standing there. They've yeah. had a lot of practice, but you are still no matter what standing there. Yeah, it does look weird. Yeah, because you also like. When you're just standing there, like, are you just supposed to, like, vibe along? 
Yeah. Like, I guess so. Like, you're kind of like a dancer as well as a, a violinist. Yeah. I mean, it's not to discredit the fact that, like, one, one of the things, I guess, getting to actually important things on this record, uh, the harmony all over this record yeah. is, like, outstanding. It's so good. And you know what? It's I went one time in the studio and the guy making the song for us I want I had written like three part harmonies for the song and he was like three part harmonies are so cheesy and they sound so bad let's just stick to two and I should have gone with my gut and been like no I want to do three like I originally planned because the three part harmonies on this record sound so amazing and it doesn't yeah. sound cheesy and it does not sound like a barbershop quartet or whatever he lie he tried to spin to me well I don't know who this person is, but I'm just going to uh, say that they're an idiot. They were wrong. Yeah, they were wrong. Um, so, yeah, I that's, I don't even, I can't even understand. I feel like I've seen somebody recently say that doubling your vocals is dumb. And okay, I'm like, that's... we're just letting people just say whatever on Twitter now. Yeah, that's not I mean, we right. have been, but it's like, that's just, that's standard. Yeah, that's to me. how you make a vocal sound good. Yeah. Because my voice by itself, um, and really also when I double it, but my voice by itself does will 100% not sound good. Like doubling uh, just sounds so much. It's like my voice without doubling is just like this. It's like you want to you wanna listen to 30 minutes of this? I don't think so. But slap a double on there. It's like, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting to my ear. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't, I think, a lot of people will say that because like, whenever you listen to a record, except for instances like where they're doing three-part harmonies here, um, you don't even think about when it's doubled. Yeah. It's just you kind of just accept it as one thing. Yeah. But there's even so many times, the only reference that I can always give is like Guns N' Roses. Uh, but like on like certain songs, uh, they always do like kind of the normal axle voice and then there's like this weird zombie voice underneath. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, but like, so like if you most of the time you'll just hear it as the one voice. But if you really like pay attention to it and break it apart, there's like like uh, Paradise City. There's like the lower voice that's so on like take me down, turn apart. Like it's like sounds like a zombie. Uh, but it's you're you don't when you're listening to it, you don't think about it. Yeah. So it's it's important to kind of like have that that harmony doesn't like doesn't exist if you're not like thinking about it. Totally. It like it's just there to create like texture and an atmosphere and a mood. Yeah. Because zombies I mean, need to go down to the Paradise City too. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I don't know why anyone would listen to like if you listen to this record and you go three part harmonies are cheesy, then you really should have no business like working in music ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um not to like give this producer as you mentioned like too hard of a time. But no, well, uh, yeah, you know, and, and who knows, like maybe the harmonies that I wrote were actually just dog shit. And that was his way of being like, maybe we won't do all of this stuff. But I feel like what I would do if I were the producer is I would essentially let you do that and then just cut it out if it sounded bad. Right. Or like shame <laughs> me in a way that's like, do you hear this garbage? You wanted to do this. Yeah. Do, are you happy? Are you happy? 
And that then sounds I could like you're have like been a dog like, that pooped on a rug or something <laughs> at that point. Are you happy? <laughs> but then at least I could have made the choice myself, you know, been like, oh, yeah, you're right. That does sound like ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things when I was kind of doing research and even like thinking about this band, I felt like a lot of it I kind of overlooked Anna. And then I felt for some reason, I think it's just because I know like you know, the Hayden sisters and kind of the L.A. connections there is where I yeah. kind of did a lot of research. And then I felt like I was like almost like disregarding Anna. And then I found out like Petra ended up like she's not on uh, old LP. Right. So that kind of threw me for a loop because I was like, this band can't exist without two of the Hayden sisters. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you think the deal is with that? Uh, I mean, I think I was just wrong like it was just like i really discredited the fact and not for really really any real reason that anna in a lot of ways is it's like her band yes totally she's like the the, definitely like the main songwriter i would say especially on this record like because yeah i think she wrote this record to be her solo record yeah but there is like a certain way that like kind of sisters and triplets and siblings, I guess, in general, I think, like, they a lot of times they seem to develop, like, a kind of, like, blood harmony. Yeah, like, it sounds like... do you, yeah, with other I, people. Dude, I know, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it just sounds like nature Yeah, meant for these two voices to be singing together. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even... Like, it's, it's just, I can't even think of, like, anything interesting to really add uh, to that fact. It just kind of, like, is there, it works. Uh, yeah. You know, so I guess, like, kind of going into, like, another kind of wiki tidbit that I realized is that Charlotte Caffey of the Go-Go's plays yeah. on two tracks. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so there's definitely, like, places on the record that, just like, oh, well, here's our friend. Our friend plays on this part. This Our famous friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like all of their friends are fucking famous. Yeah. Like all of their friends are just famous people. And I think Charlotte is Anna's sister-in-law. That would make sense, I guess. And I think they are writing a musical together. Currently? Yeah. Wow. I wonder what that is. Okay. So Charlotte Caffey is married to Jeff McDonald, who plays in Red Cross and the Melvins. Right. And that's Anna's husband. Wait, no. That is Charlotte Caffey's husband. Charlotte Caffey's husband. All right. Love triangle. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. So Anna is married to Charlotte's husband's brother. Stephen Shane McDonald. Oh, okay. And Stephen also plays in Red Cross. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's how they know they all know each other. And you said um you said that you've seen the Go-Go's. Yes, I saw the Go-Go's play in Toronto like maybe like 3 years ago with Best Coast. Best Coast opened for them. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was so it was so cute. Like they were just so such little sweeties. When I think about the Go-Go's and then when I think about, like, that dog, it's like, I'm like, oh, the Go-Go's happened, like, so long before that. 
But it's like, what is 10 years when you're like over 25? Yeah. Yeah. Like how much older are the Go-Go's even compared to anyone in that dog at this point? Well, I don't think that much older, like, because they're married to brothers. Like they're, so like Anna, I think is like 50. And I think Charlotte is like six. Let me see. I'm on her wiki right now. She's 67. So yeah, it's like not. It's like 17 years, but... No, that doesn't mean much when you're like... When you're old. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, sometimes I will see like a friend that's like 25 and then other times it's like I will see a friend that's, you know, like 50 at this point. Yeah. You know, and then it's just kind of normal now. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's not so weird. All right, so have you looked up like the Pitchfork review for this record? No. So in 1997, they gave it a 6.5. Okay. And uh, which I'd say is a pitchfork good. Yeah. And uh, then in 2020, they re-rated it and gave it an 8.5. Okay, that's more of what I would. I mean, I would give it a. I would give it a 10, but I would give it a nine. I would give it a nine, but I yeah. don't write for pitchfork, so. And I guess like something we've been kind of talking about a lot, like why. What do you think it is about this band or this record that sort of makes it always be underrated? Like I, we were saying, like we, I guess we both feel like it's as good as like anything comparatively mm -hmm. to it. But I don't know why this is always constantly something. Even myself, like people are always having to introduce you to it. Yeah, I don't know. I I watched this interview that uh, Anna and Tony did on Much Music, and. Uh, even the VJ is like talking to them and being like, so like, is this guy, is this kind of like your pop record? Like, are you guys kind of like moving into pop now and like kind of like talking to them in a way that like is kind of discrediting the music that's on this record and like calling it pop in like a cringe sort of way, mm -hmm. which like kind of blew my mind because like to me, this is like. Like, it's definitely pop, but it's, like, really, like, heavy guitars, and, like, it's not, like, a heavy record, but I wouldn't necessarily be, like, this is bona fide pop music. Like, this record has, like, had one single. Like, it wasn't, like, on the radio or anything like that. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, maybe I just have a bad gauge of, like, what is good, and that's why my band is not that popular so i don't i feel like i'm not the right person to ask <laughs> why this record is so underrated because to me it's like the greatest record of all time yeah and i think probably similarly i when i when i heard it for this um especially in the first track's really great but it's sort of like i don't know kind of like what direction the whole record kind of holds at that yeah. point and then so when never say never kicks in you're like oh this is gonna be like this kind of record you know where yeah. it's going to give me it's given me a lot even yeah. on the the second song um so and I, but i think like it isn't clearly like an indie rock record and it clearly isn't like squarely a punk record by really any means but yeah it does allow itself to like get i guess like heavy is the way we're explaining it. or it just has like it rocks that's yeah. another way we could say it yeah you know? i think it totally rocks yeah and as much as i like rainer maria i don't 
listen to them in a way that I'm like, I want to listen to something that rocks. I would, yeah. I don't think I would put on Rainer Maria. That wouldn't be my go-to if that's my feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, they're more squarely like an indie rock band mm-hmm. to me. Um, so, but I, so I think kind of being stuck between those things, like people still seem to have an issue with. Yeah. Like and what's that's, the freaking that's, deal? Yeah, and I think that's really what we're talking about. I guess like if we're com- if we're bringing ourselves into it, that's what we're internalizing. Like the issue probably people have with any of our bands. Right. Like yeah. it's like you I don't know what their intentions were when when making this record, but it's like clearly when you're making a record, you're making it cuz you want like lots of people to listen to it and like it. Yeah. And like maybe that's the reason why they didn't continue as a band because like maybe it didn't go in the way that they had hoped but like to me like this is a perfect record like I love it so much and I could listen to it and then re-listen and re-listen and just like let it keep playing because I just think it's like so good but but maybe like I just have the taste of of someone who likes things that aren't supposed to be smashes you know yeah I think like if you if you kind of live neatly in indie rock, then kind of media does this a lot, um, and that's really what we're talking about. And even like people, how they kind of file things. It's like if you're indie rock, then you're kind of like smarter to people. And then so if you kind of flirt around with being like pop punk, for lack of a better word, then mm-hmm. it's sort of like a lowbrow culture thing. Totally. So the meeting of the two, sometimes people are like, you know, it's like, is this the smartest Adam Sandler movie that I'm watching? You know, it's right. like, yeah, like it's people got, don't it's know how be to one perceive it. Totally. Like when I was a kid and I'd be like, I don't like pop music anymore. I only like pop punk music. I only like Blink-182. But like I'd still listen to Britney Spears, but I just wouldn't tell anyone mm-hmm. that yeah. I was, you know? Yeah. But now I'm like, I'm going to listen to Britney Spears and tell everyone. Yeah, I, I I am so, like, guilty of that, too, and I probably have made, like, I look back on instances at the beginning of me and my now wife, uh, Sarah's relationship, where it was like, you like this? Kind of, <laughs> that kind of vibe, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I feel bad about it, you know? <laughs> like, it's, Yeah, it but was we so were all kind of like that, you know, because we didn't know who we were, and we were just trying so desperately to, like, curate a version of ourselves that we thought was like cool or something yeah the only thing i think i fear from that point is like where will i stop and i don't know if that makes any sense um like where where will i stop like like how far will this kind of open-mindedness and i'm really i'm just talking about music but um like how far will that take me and will i just be like I'm gonna, like I'll say like oh I guess Lincoln Park is really good or whatever the yeah 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 is, no you know? I know I know what you mean like like a couple summers ago maybe last summer I made a playlist and I was like this playlist is so fucking sick I'm gonna listen to this playlist all summer long and like I'm out here thinking I'm like an alternative I like alternative music like underground bands and like the songs on this playlist were like Post Malone and Lady Gaga and like. I'm just like I've completely come back around into just being like a person who really loves pop music. Mainstream yeah. pop music. 
I mean, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it's like, I, I worry, and I know this isn't the only time I've said it probably on here is that I worry that I'll be like the guy he's like skiing, you know, and then he's like doing your taxes is punk, right? you know, that kind of thing. Like, it's like, it'll never end. And then I'll just be like, disturbed aren't that bad, you know? Right. I guess that's just growing up, you know? I think it is. Like, I really struggle to figure out nowadays, like, what do I dislike? Yeah. Is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I think it's because we're getting older and we don't have energy, as much energy to, like, dislike stuff as we used to. And I think that is good. I do have, like, friends that are older than me that they have gone, like, the other way. They're like, <gasps> ew, semi-sonic. And then I'm like, what? Semi-sonic's good. You know, or they're like, whatever, you know, you want to kind of put in there. And then I'm like, how are you like this? I'm at a point where someone's like, oh, uh, I feel like the main thing I say is I've heard worse things. But then I find myself saying it about like everything. And (laughs) so then I'm like, where will this lead me to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It has led me very far from talking about that dog. And I don't (laughs) think that that dog is that type of band. I think they are just undeniably good. I just love Anna so much and I really think that her she has like a perfect career trajectory for someone who maybe loves writing but doesn't want to be in the spotlight forever. And I guess I'm actually since I didn't do a ton of research on Anna um, can you tell me like what she went on to work with or on? Yes so I can tell you a little bit because I don't have all of the details but Great. she did release uh, music solo style. Mm-hmm. And then she also wrote I Wish You Well for the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which is that's like my second favorite album of all time. Um, she wrote the the theme song to the show Clueless. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yes, I used to watch it. Oh, so good. Like what a great um, what a great theme song like it's so freaking good in my head i thought that it was the same actors some of the actors are the same but share is different yeah and i guess the reason why was because alicia silverstone had like some weird contractual obligation or something anna has like written for like a bunch of artists too and and she's just like she's just like behind the scenes i think more or less and she actually scored the second season of shrill which is one of my favorite shows i just don't know how she's infiltrating all my favorite things you know like what does that mean i think maybe it's like a divergent kind of interest thing it's sort of like when someone mentions something and then you start noticing it you know yeah Um, totally and kind of like there's a path that led you to probably like things like shrill uh yeah and so that also might be a similar path that led someone like anna to work on a show like shrill damn yeah yeah and so which makes it sound really deep or honestly it could just be like this seems like an interesting job i'll take it right (laughs) right 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 yeah uh, I was looking at the soundtrack for Clueless, and it is a very good soundtrack. Not that oh, that for really the movie? Yeah. Yes. 
It's so yeah. good. That's a thing that like I feel like doesn't I don't really know. I guess it's kind of different now because everything just like goes out on streaming services but like when i was a kid i used to be so excited for like the soundtrack to my favorite movie to come out as oh, yeah. well as the movie and i'd be like oh i have to go buy the lizzie mcguire soundtrack or i have to have the clueless soundtrack or i have to have the dirty dancing soundtrack like i need the soundtrack yeah it's it's something that i don't think happens like at all and i don't know if i'm saying that because of like yeah, i'm older and i'm just not paying attention to certain things you know but it doesn't feel like there are soundtracks for movies in that way. Yeah. It felt like like before, at least, it was like, if you're a fan of this movie, like you're going to buy the movie on VHS or DVD, and you're also going to buy the soundtrack like because you have to have both. It's like having a pair of shoes and having the matching bag that goes with them. Like You have to have both, or else you're, mm-hmm. not, you're a fake fan. You don't actually like the movie. Uh, Anna also did the music for this show called Castle. Oh, I've never That's seen like it. That's like a show that I believe I've walked in on my in-laws watching that show. Ah. Yeah, I think the premise of it is uh, he's like a kind of like a thriller writer and uh, that writes like mysteries and then he starts solving mysteries. Oh, that's the cool. Show. Yeah, but it's like a show you would be like, what are you watching, Dad? Or, you know, whoever. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they're watching. Or that or numbers. It's that or numbers, you know. Damn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really just kind of, yeah, she moved on to working in music. Um, that's, like, such a neat job. I really wish. I don't, I, w- I definitely don't have the uh, talent to do that. But what I wonder, though, is, like, if someone gets you to work on the music, like, if I don't know if you watch, like, SVU, uh, you know, the the little kind of when someone's, like, sad or something, they just have to, like, hit the keyboard yeah, in a certain way. Because yeah. you don't have to write the theme. It's not like they're writing no. the theme every episode. You know? Yeah, like, you're <laughs> just, like, crazy. playing yeah. and sustaining a chord. Yeah, so if it's no like, one's watching me do it, I can fake it. But if yeah. someone's like, show me the proof of why you did that, yeah, then like, I'd be what, like, Ugh. what was your emotional journey? Like, what, how, what, like, what kind of exact music theory were you using to invoke a specific emotion in the audience at this specific point? I'd be like, uh, these three notes. Yeah. I don't know them, but I can play them for you. Yeah, I think I could sit there, like, because I assume maybe they have, like, a really nice TV. Um, and it's like at their home and they have, you know, like, oh, pull up. They might have like a producer with them. So this is why I'm assuming Anna's job is usually like she goes, can you pull up real 13 uh, minute 45? And they go, OK, uh, Anna. And then they pull it up and then she just goes. Yeah, I think that fits. That would be a really cool job. Yeah. But if someone were like, can you give me the sheet music for it? I'd be like, figure it out by yourself, loser. Yeah, like, why would I give you my secrets? Yeah, exactly. You want to know how the... (laughs) You're trying to steal my job? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like jobs that are, like, music in TV are the coolest jobs. Like, people who are music supervisors, like, that's fucking the coolest job. And then people who do, like, scoring for TV and movies, too. It's like, like, that, like... That is such a cool job. Like these people who are making this this show or this movie are like trusting you to like 
be able to curate the mood and theme with like music from your own brain. Yeah, like how do you get the kind of experience to be put in that role? You know, do they just go, oh, well, Anna did have a retreat from the sun, that that dog record that came out in 1997. So is that like the resume you would provide to people to allow you to do that? I don't freaking know. But we, you know what? On Too Much TV in a couple weeks, we're going to be talking to a person who uh, does that. They score TV and movies. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask them how the fuck you get into that. Do you feel comfortable telling me who that person is? Yes, their name is Jay McCarroll. Oh, what have they worked on? They did The Kid Detective, which is one of our fave oh, yes, yeah. movies. And they um, are also part of like a comedy duo. They are they write and are in the show uh, Nirvana the Band, the show. Mm-hmm. And then they do like, you know, I think they're, they're like quite uh, involved in both the comedy and music scene in, in Toronto, so... Oh, uh, so Kid Detective, is that a Canadian movie? Um, I think so, actually. Like, it was made in Canada, and I think largely most of the production staff and team are Canadian, so. Is Adam Brody, is he Canadian? No, he's not. Okay, okay. Um, I just listened to y'all's most recent, um, uh, episode where you do talk about kid detective at least for a second um and i really do want to see it i haven't seen it yet um another person that is severely underrated like that dog is adam brody i don't understand like why adam brody isn't in more things right because he and you have okay if you like him you have to watch kid detective because he is perfect in that movie he's so good and it really seems like like when you're watching it you're just like what the hell this guy is a star like he's an undeniable star and it's so wild i'm like so happy to see him back on the big screen because that's where he belongs yeah i i think the reason i compare the i guess i'm comparing like that dog to adam brody in a way it's like to me when i see adam brody it reminds me how good adam brody is totally so when i've listened to that dog i'm like this is very good (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then what it's like, there's, there must be almost a similar kind of thing where it's like, but if they're not in the limelight in that moment, it's like the world just forgets about both of them. You know, like, you know, I don't, I I don't understand. There needs to be some serious justice for that dog. But at the same time, it's like maybe Anna just does prefer making music and not having to worry about all the other stuff that goes into being like a person a front person or a person in the spotlight. Maybe the same can be said about Adam Brody. Maybe yeah, Adam like maybe, Brody does what Adam Brody's comfortable doing. Maybe Adam Brody does what Adam Brody wants, and that's the kid detective. Yeah. If you have OC money, though, which I assume is actually a thing. Yeah. Um, then if you probably invest it correctly, you could just do what you wanted to do. It's. I don't think it's like sitcom money like Seinfeld or something, but... But it's probably enough, and his wife is also Leighton Meester, so she's she's probably getting that Gossip Girl money. Who is that person? <laughs> she played, uh, she played, I think, Blair on Gossip Girl, the original. Uh, Gossip Girl was one of those shows. Like I was explaining, Castle, I would just walk in the room, and Sarah would be watching Gossip Girl. Yeah. And I didn't watch it, but I would always make her catch me up. 
um, oh, nice. which is very annoying. Um, it's like I'll pop in the room and, and she's watching Survivor and I'll be like, what's going on? And then she'll have to explain like the five seasons I missed, you know? Um, so I did the same thing with Gossip Girl. Nice. So you know what yeah. happens. You just don't know who anyone is. Yeah. I, I totally don't know who anyone is there. Uh, one person that I was that's similar in what we're talking about is uh, like Anna. Um, there's a guy named Craig Wedren. Um, he did the music for Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. And he played in this band called Shudder to Think. Uh, and so he also has kind of moved from music. And if you look up just Craig Wedren, which is a very hard name to say, uh, you can, it's like so many of your favorite shows, like Craig has done the music for. What? That's so cool. Yeah. Like, he, I think his skill is like essentially if, yeah, they do it a lot on Wet Hot American Summer. Like, whenever there's a song that kind of like feels like it was written in the time frame that they're, they're trying to represent, mm-hmm. he probably wrote it. Wow, I love that. That's so yeah. sick. That's yeah. a cool. That's a really cool skill to have. Yeah, and I think uh, similarly to Anna, as somebody that really could have been like the biggest rock star, but I think really just chose that this was like the better path to go yeah. on. You know, you get More you get paid, plus you don't have to be like only blah, blah, blah amount of people came tonight or blah, blah, blah amount yep. of people bought your record. It's not like exactly. on you. No, it's just your job and you're fulfilling the task. So, Sam, as we move away from talking about that dog, mm-hmm. um, you put out a record this year. Yep. Uh, so when did that come out? Uh, TV Baby came out on April 9th mm-hmm. of, this, that, of this year. And that came out on Take This to Heart Records? Yep, and, Take This to Heart Records. Uh, do you feel like, I guess, like, I tricked you, and we're not, we are going to talk about that dog for another second. Um, do you feel like this, uh, this album specifically, or that dog has, like, influenced Pony in, like, a direct way or indirect I think so. I think that uh, I think that Pony is probably like I would say more influenced by like the Josie and the Pussycat album, but that that is is probably pretty heavily influenced by that dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we don't have Pony doesn't have like strings or like three part harmonies, but I yet. feel like yet exactly. <laughs> But I feel like uh, the vibe and and just kind of like the, um, at least like the autobiographical nature of of Retreat from the Sun, I think is kind of like similar to to TV Baby mm-hmm. a, a bit. Yeah, and I think it's probably one of those things that when you just dis- when you discovered that dog, it kind of probably strength like strengthened your resolve into like the things you already like. It, it kind of like gave you like, oh, this is, I am, like for me, when I find a band like this, that's kind of something that I'm sort of already doing. It mm-hmm. kind of like strengthens everything. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing what I want to do. Like, it, yeah, exactly. it sort of makes you feel like you're not just like on an island by yourself. Totally. You're like, oh, these guys are doing some cool stuff that I really like that is kind of like what I'm doing. And then you feel like, justified a little bit or like justified is the best way to put it i couldn't find that word what how did the town that you were raised in kind of influence you 
to the point that you are today in terms of music? And I can rephrase that if that's a weird question. Well, you know, I, I like got into songwriting like pretty late in the game. Um, and like I grew up, I was like a theater kid my whole life. And like I was like really into theater. Like I was like, I'm going to be on Broadway basically. Like I, you know, you wanted to be a teen on television and and I was like I'm gonna be I'm gonna win a Tony award but after I graduated high school my mom and my stepdad they uh sold our house in the city and they moved really like to the outskirts of the city and it was like an hour drive into town and I didn't have my driver's license and we didn't have very good internet like it was like you couldn't really use the internet really and we didn't have cell reception it was like truly the bush and my so my friend asked her boyfriend if he would lend me his acoustic guitar so that I had something to do during the day and I just like started listening to songs um and like trying to learn how to play them and then I was like oh this is this is fun and this is cool and and maybe I can try writing my own song. So that's like how I got into songwriting initially, but I didn't really take it too seriously until after I graduated from theater school, college, and realized that I was a horrible actor and I was never going to make it. And I was like, well, I like writing songs, so maybe I'll try that. And maybe one day I'll realize that I'm horrible at writing songs and I'm never going to make it and I'll switch to something else, but Hmm. who, who knows? Yeah, um... Well, I think it's, I have this, and I guess I'm going back to the idea that I feel like I could have been plucked, you know, where it's like, I think that sometimes the idea of, like how you you say to yourself that you're like a bad actor. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I don't, I don't agree with you. And I've not seen really any of your acting to know that. But I think you've told me in the past, like, you know, like, and like you just said, you went to drama school. So I feel yeah. like it's basically impossible to you, for you to be as bad as you think you might be. And because, for instance, like any job that I've ever worked at, I didn't try and get good at that job. But I feel like at some point I'm OK at it just by sheer fact of doing it. Yeah, that's so true. in the regard of like like when I think about myself as a bass player, I totally 100 percent don't put the time that I should into practicing mm-hmm. but i feel like i've gotten to a point where i'm fine just by the sheer fact of doing it totally so so i feel like it's impossible for as much work as it seems that school put you through with acting yeah um and i'm saying that as like a compliment i think that almost anyone that's had some sort of skill in doing it i think that uh you probably could be plucked today and be in like any sort of like Canadian TV show. Well, hell, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but without even like having, se- you're gonna have to show me your reel, I think, and then. But we'll, see, this we'll is see. the thing: is like I, I've never done film, so I went to mm-hmm. theater school. So like, I think that I could be an actor in the theater if I, if I wanted to, but, but plays are just too long. It's too long. I wouldn't want to make anyone sit through that. It's just too much. Yeah, I 
so when I was in high school, I took like two drama classes and I also took like a technical theater class. And there was a point where my drama teacher sat me down and was like, you do have the ability to be a good actor, but you're going to have to start taking it more seriously. Oh, no. And in that moment, I decided not to take the honors drama, which they were basically trying to like tell me to take. Because right. I was like, oh, I know I'll never do the work that's necessary to take this serious. Yeah. Um, so, but, and I don't know if that's like a feeling you had when you were doing drama school. Like, did you feel like um, you couldn't take it seriously in the regard that other people were? Or was it like a work ethic kind of thing? <sighs> no, it was, it was, it was truly just feeling like I am less talented than my peers and like, just like the like the work that we had to do was so much like there's like no such thing as slacking at the school that I went to like if you slacked you're done you're out like we probably lost like 30 kids in two years because people just like couldn't couldn't make the cut but you survived that I mean you graduated through it you were the kind of the end product of it yeah I definitely finished I graduated for sure did anyone did like anyone there did the other actors yeah or the teachers like make you feel that way or do you feel like that's a thing you put on yourself um i think it's a little bit of both like there's a lot of emphasis when at least when i was in school to be like to find like your hit which is like you have to find like the specific thing that you're good at and and go for that and like if so like if you want to be comedy guy then like you're doing comedy monologues and like you're dressing like a goofy guy or but like if you want to be like the serious guy then like you have to like make sure you're like quaffed and you look good and you you're doing like the serious roles and it's it was just like kind of bullshit like you know like they they really put this emphasis on you that like you can only play one thing you can only play your hit and and you should be focusing on that and like my my I just like never liked that like it's the same thing with music when people are like what kind of music do you make like I don't really like being like rock music you know like I just because I think it's just so goofy to be like I'm this one thing I'm I'm the serious guy I'm the comedy guy so it I and also like so much going back to the whole nepotism thing is like so much of the acting industry is obviously just like music you know it's just it's just as hard to break in like everyone who makes it is someone's someone who is famous it's their kid you know and it's just like it's just tricky and in Canada it's even worse it's like we we have a lot of theater up in up in Canada but a lot of the time we're having American actors come to Canada to do like Adam Brody, like, you know, to like be the stars because like there's no Canadian stars. So it's like we have to get our stars from somewhere else. But then the Canadians can just fill up the background. Yeah. And it's like the ones that are Canadian that become they just kind of become American stars and then they almost like cease to uh, be Canadian. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like totally. it's like I think if I told someone like Harland Williams is Canadian, they'd be like, oh, OK. You know, I mean, most people probably don't even know who that is. Uh, but 
you know, it's, yeah, they, they just kind of cease becoming Canadian. Like, I think a lot of people don't even know, like, Alex Trebek is Canadian. Yeah. He, I, he actually went to my high school. We went to the same high school. Oh, wow. I think yeah. really so many, so many interesting, quote unquote, American actors are actually just Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> like Martin Short, you know, oh, uh, yeah, Eugene Martin. Levy. Yeah. Eugene. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I guess like kind of back to and the reason I do feel like we do have like weirdly enough like a uh, like almost a thesis of this episode that we're getting at. Mm-hmm. And it's like I want to think about it not in a different way, just kind of, I guess, repeating myself again. Uh, what I'm really saying is like. Is OK, so when I like the pony record is a really amazing record and I feel like. I've gone back to it more than I feel like some of my friends' records. And I think that probably sounds mean to my friends. But (laughs) what I'm saying is, like, sometimes you listen to your friends' records and you're, like, you kind of listen to it almost out of an obligation and then you put it away. Yeah. You know? But it's sort of like I find myself going back to it. That's so nice. That is so nice. Yeah. And what what I'm thinking about, too, is, like, we know so many people that we collectively know that are just as talented as like anyone that's like touring all the time and has like big booking agents and that's to no discredit to those people but back to kind of like the thing we were saying is like sometimes I feel like the industry or just life it's more of a life it's it's not really like a ordained thing sometimes it just plucks a band yeah and then the then everyone kind of says, "Oh, this is that band." Yeah. But it's like, but even but the reason I know I'm correct is if you look at a band like that dog and the fact that they didn't get the success that we're saying that they were owed, mm-hmm. it kind of just feels like things just get picked arbitrarily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that any of our friends' bands, and I'm saying Pony too, um, could be <laughs> just as big as anything else, and should be. Yeah, yeah, I know you. Yeah, mean... I know it's weird for you to like. You're like, yes, I agree with you, uh, but but it's sort of like I think that we know so many talented people, and I think sometimes people get in their head and uh, about like I'm not good enough. Yeah, when it or like really I'm doesn't deserving or yeah, and kind of back to what you were saying about the acting. It's like I refuse to believe that you're you were a bad actor. I think there are other factors that made it not happen. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's now it sounds like therapy. It's not your <laughs> fault. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it's actually funny because like I, I, I definitely gave up my dreams of being an actor a long time ago because I had um, a roommate and a bandmate who didn't like that I was acting and a, and a partner at the time that didn't like that I was acting. And so I was just like, it's going to be way easier for me to maintain these relationships if I quit acting and I like never thought that I would get back into it but after a while of like doing auditions during the pandemic I've been like booking stuff again and it's like I truly never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be acting again so yeah and that's kind of why I phrased everything like that like I know all of this stuff because one I talk to Maddie like every day your partner yeah, your and also <laughs> and also i listen to your podcast every week 
So if anyone is listening to this podcast and wondering while I've gotten into like therapy session with you is like we have like a familiarity that probably it's like through each other's podcast and other friendships. Yeah. You know, so I, I and I've seen that journey with you doing like voice acting more. And, you know, I'm I think that it's it's kind of horrible that anyone ever put you in that position to kind of make you feel like you shouldn't. Like everyone should try and push for these things that they want to do, even if it's just like you like painting something. Yeah. You know, like no one should tell you like not to paint, you know, no one should tell you not to like act or no one should tell you not to write music. Yeah. Um, no because, one should. You know, whether that means that you're going to be the most su- successful at it, I think it's weird that, I mean, that feels like a different conversation. It's like, what is success? Even? Yeah. You know, and that's like a different thing. But sometimes people kind of make you feel like, oh, like, this didn't perform to this sort of level. But right. that doesn't mean like that dog isn't like Retreat from the Sun isn't as good of a record because of that. Yeah, exactly. Like people, I've known people before who are like, well, you're not going to be famous. So like, what's the point of doing all this stuff that you're doing? And it's like, well, the point is, is that I like doing it and like it's fulfilling to do it. So it's like if I can do it. I'm going to do it. It doesn't, it, success doesn't have to be like fame. But a lot of people think that it, that it should be. And, and those people can go to hell. <laughs> they can. Um, so as we truthfully wrap up, even though I've said that like three times. <laughs> um, so we didn't even go through all of the songs. Like we talked about the first track and we talked about the second track. Um, usually I feel like I go through the songs because I like setting up the, what song would you cut? Yeah. Um, but I really couldn't find a place where I would cut anything. And at 46 minutes, like I, I just can't, I simply can't think of anything to cut. I know. And usually I'm like a real fan of like short songs or like a short record, but like, I think that this record is like perfect and there's no song that i would skip on it and some of the songs are like a little longer than i would personally make a song but i don't even notice because i love the song so much i'm just like yeah bring it bring it bring it bring it bring it yeah yeah i mean i think it we've like we said many times it's a perfect record and i appreciate you introducing me to such an amazing record I want to say I'll go back and listen to like their older stuff and then the record after this. Um, have you have you dug back much in their catalog? I I've listened to the two records before this one, um, mm-hmm. and like I like I like them, and there's definitely some songs, but not none of them hit for me like this one. And I have not listened to their new record. Um, and I feel like I should, but I listened to the, the single and I really did not like it. And so then I was like, maybe I won't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably good sometimes to like kind of keep something, uh, well, and especially since they're not like an active band per se, I guess they kind of are. Um, it feels like now they get, they just kind of do this band when they want to, like when the mood strikes, you know, and that's probably an amazing problem to have yeah. Uh, but yeah it does seem like they went more in like an adult kind of rock direction um yeah. so i think it's kind of good to kind of keep these records that are like kind of frozen in time for you like yep, this means totally. a certain thing for you totally 
Totally. Yeah. And so once again, I super appreciate you bringing this to me and talking to me about it. And, you know, thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. And I truly feel um, like this was an amazing therapy session as well. So <laughs> uh, where can people find you online? Oh, um, they can find us on Instagram, um, Pony the Band. Um, and Twitter, I think, is Pony Toronto because someone else already had Pony the Band, which is so rude. But that's that's pretty much uh, where you can find us. And also uh, my podcast, Too Much TV, that I do with Pretty Maddie uh, is a weekly podcast. And uh, we talk about TV and music, and it's super fun. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back. Thanks again to Sam Belansky for coming on the pod. Once again, check out the new Pony album, TV Baby, out now on Take This to Heart Records. Honestly, it's a great album, and I've listened to it a bunch since it got released. Okay, next week, we're chatting with Jeremy Baum of Touche Amore and First Ever Podcast. We're talking about the Nationals' 2010 album, High Violet. Very excited. Like I mentioned at the top, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Follow us on social media at spinningoutpod. That's Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and recommend us to a friend. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme music. With that said, see you next week.